Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. In the Gospel for today, we hear that powerful story of the road to Emmaus. Now, it's probably one of the greatest stories found in Luke's Gospel, other than Jesus' birth, as well as his passion, death, and resurrection. The story of the road to Emmaus has everything. It's got interesting characters, suspense, and a surprising ending. More to it, it's a great Gospel story that has a great message that has been spoken to Christians for centuries on end. It speaks to us about the church, who we are, and how we see the risen Lord in our life. There's something deeply gripping about this story. It gets at the very heart of our identity as a church. Both last week's story, the story of Doubting Thomas, as well as this week's story, The Road to Emmaus, They give us the same powerful lesson. Jesus is most clearly seen in the church. Notice how it begins. Two of Jesus' disciples were going seven miles from Jerusalem to Emmaus. Well, where people are going or moving in the Gospels is always very important. Give you a great example. The story of blind Bartimaeus. After Jesus cures him of his blindness, he clearly sees who Jesus is, and he follows after him. It says, he followed Jesus up the road to Jerusalem. Jesus in John's gospel says, I am the way, the truth, and the light. So we see up and down the four gospels, these images of people walking with Jesus. It's symbolic of walking the right spiritual path. And so, where are these two disciples really going? They're walking away from Jerusalem. But more importantly, they're walking precisely in the wrong direction. Jerusalem, realize, it's the spiritual hotbed right now. It's where Jesus experienced his passion, death, and resurrection. But more to it, it's the place where the risen Lord is appearing to people, to Mary Magdalene, to the apostles. If there's any place you want to stay at, it's in Jerusalem, with the chance and the hope that you might also see the risen Lord yourself. Also, remember, in Jerusalem is where the apostles are. It's where our church is. Now, we learned a powerful lesson from last week, that Jesus is most clearly seen in the church. Now, next, it says, Jesus drew near. And yet, their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. The truth here is even when we walk the wrong direction, especially away from Jesus, he still walks with us. It's a basic biblical truth. Our God is not some distant figure out there in the galaxy waiting for us to find him. No, our God searches for us. 
Remember the, the image that Jesus gives us of the good shepherd who leaves the 99 in search of the one. Our God is a God that searches for us, especially when we're walking the wrong direction. And so Jesus appears like he doesn't know what's happened in Jerusalem and all the events that took place. The disciples then stand shocked, incredulous. What is Jesus really doing here? He's luring them. He's luring them into a vision in which at the end of the story, they will be able to now clearly see Jesus. You know, a good example of this, it's kind of like a joke. A joke that you hear and you just don't get it at first. Or you see a picture, you know, a painting, an artwork, and you don't see the pattern or the technique that the artist used. It's not just a matter of seeing all the things in the picture, but it's seeing the pattern and how it connects all the things in the picture. Sometimes, you know, we hear a joke and we have to hear the joke again. And then after we hear it, maybe a second or even a third time, it dawns on us. And we say, oh yeah, that's why that joke is funny. Well, the disciples are the same way. They've seen all the events. They've seen Jesus' miracles. They've heard his preaching. They've seen his passion and death. They've seen it all. But they just can't connect it together. Well, we too know the details ourselves. We know the details of our faith, the sacraments, Jesus. And so, to be a Christian means we get it. We see all the patterns and how they are all connected to Christ. Now, notice Jesus' response. He says, oh, how foolish you are. And then he begins to explain his whole life. Everything in the Bible, in sacred scripture, whether it's the Old Testament or the New Testament, is all related to Christ. Just look at the Old Testament stories. They all refer to Jesus. Creation, Exodus, the words of the prophets. Jesus here now tries to show how these stories form a pattern and how they apply all to him. Jesus, you could say, lays out the Old Testament on his own life as an interpretive grid. It's kind of like Jesus putting on glasses to these two disciples so that they can see clearly Jesus's presence in all of these stories in the Bible. That's why the disciples admit at the very end of the story, we're not our hearts burning as he interpreted the scriptures for us. Finally, the disciples urged Jesus to come and stay with him because it was nighttime. And so Jesus sits down in table fellowship with these disciples just like he did with the apostles at the Last Supper. And so it happens. Jesus took the bread, said the blessing, broke the bread, gave it to them, and their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. Here's the powerful lesson. We see Jesus when we allow him to interpret the scriptures for us. And we see Jesus in the breaking of the bread. After the consecration, We gaze upon the altar and we see the presence of Jesus, his body and his blood in the Eucharist. Now, this story is really a story of our Mass. One could argue that every time we gather for Mass, 
we in some ways, we relive this story of the road to Emmaus. Let me show you how. How does our Mass begin? With what we call the penitential rite. We recognize our sins. That's why we say, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy. Or we recite the, the confidier, I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have sinned. Well, just like these two disciples, we recognize those times in which we are walking in the wrong direction, away from Christ, and ask for God's mercy and forgiveness. Next, we listen to the scripture readings. We allow Jesus to open our minds to see the pattern of God's plan of salvation before us. Next at Mass is the Eucharist, in which we clearly see and recognize Jesus Christ in his body and blood. Why is that? Well, in the Eucharist, we see the pattern again. We see that Jesus' life is broken open, out of love for us all. Now, go back to the story. At the end of the story, the two disciples race back to Jerusalem to tell the apostles. They're naturally compelled and even excited to tell the apostles the good news, that they too have seen the risen Lord. Well, at the very end of our Mass, the priest or the deacon will say, The Mass is ended. Go now to love and serve the Lord. Well, since we have seen the Lord in the Scriptures and in the Eucharist, now we too are naturally compelled to go out and tell everyone by simply living out our faith. How does this story begin? With two disciples walking the wrong path, the wrong direction. How does it end? With the same two disciples now walking in the right direction, the right spiritual path because they have seen the risen Lord. Well, we too walk in the right direction. We walk the right spiritual path because we too have seen the risen Lord every time we gather for Mass. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.